Arizona. Nine o'clock on Monday, the 20th of August, 2012. The Arizona Emergency Net Maricopa is now in session. This is KE7KUS Net Control. My name is Kurt. Uh, before I proceed, is there any emergency or priority traffic for the net? Emergency or priority traffic for the net, please call now. Alright, 
Uh, emails been sent, Andrew. Uh, let me know when you get them. Please assume the tactical call sign, alternate net control. And uh, if you uh, can't open the documents, then uh, let me know. Uh, other than that, just let me know uh, when you receive the email. I have received the email, and I'm opening the documents now. And I'll assume tactical call sign, alternate net control. This is KF7. Andrew, uh, tonight we're talking about disaster communications, the real story. Uh, we will look at what you might expect to encounter in the disaster communications arena, should you be asked to serve. But we all know ham radio has the potential to make a significant difference in an emergency situation. In fact, during a real-world disaster, such as Hurricane Isabel in 2003, ham radio was the only link to the State Emergency Operations Center. Ham radio played an important role during Hurricane Ike in 2008, providing weather and damage information to local EOCs and the National Weather Service. Even with all of this, our perception and the perception of the people we are assigned to help can differ significantly. In theory, there is no difference between theory and practice. In practice, there is. Tonight, we're going to talk about the practical aspects of disaster communication. Arizona Emergency Net Maricopa is a directed net. Direct all calls to net control. Please do not transmit your traffic until I call upon you. Tonight, I will take check-ins by your experience. There will be three groups. Group number one are those who have experience with amateur radio support during a real disaster. Group number two are those who have experience with a disaster drill. Group number three are those who do not have experience with either an actual or a simulated disaster. Uh, so pick one of those three groups, uh, mentally assign yourself, and we'll start with those stations who have actual experience participating in a disaster. If you have amateur radio experience supporting a real disaster, uh, please call with your FCC call sign only now.
wishing to check in who have experience in a simulated or a disaster drill. Please call with your FCC call sign only now. Uh, anything related to emergency 
necessary to use them. So uh, I'll start uh, with uh, alternate net control. I don't want to forget him. So uh, Andrew, uh, go ahead and uh, fill me in with the uh, information uh, that I requested. Go ahead.
uh, as the net control operator tonight, I'm going to be a facilitator. I might not see a discussion one way or another, uh, but uh, I'm simply going to facilitate. Uh, so that's as good as uh, all the participants. Uh, so uh, please do not be shy, uh, do not be intimidated. Uh, share uh, from your experiences tonight so that we can all learn. Uh, to get this topic moving, I'd like to start with anyone who has experience from the coordinator side of disaster emergency I'd like them to share their experiences in dealing with volunteers. Are there any stations out there who have acted as a coordinator, either with search and rescue, at an EOC, or in some other role hurting the cat? Uh, if you have any experience like this, uh, please call now. Yeah, we'll 
thank you for that. Uh, I have a couple of questions that I'd like to ask, and uh, uh, maybe that uh, will uh, take a couple more questions uh, from the crowd, and I'll take those in just a second. But uh, my first question is, uh, did uh, your county emergency services in that scenario, was there a, uh, was there a preformed or a prefabricated plan to uh, utilize amateur radio operators in the event that uh, the primary communication system went down, or did you formulate that ad hoc as the emergency was going on? Excellent question. As everybody knows, since 9-11, everybody's jumped on the bandwagon and have up updated all their emergency uh, procedures. Uh, this is back in 95, 96, this happened. I remember it well. And um, their whole disaster manual for police, fire, public services was all in one little loose leaf that was about an inch thick. It explained uh, what an emergency was and really information at all about how it was going to be handled or who was in charge. Back then, they didn't have an emergency coordinator for the county. Uh, so we worked closely with the uh, police and fire. Uh, had what they called it an EOC, but it really wasn't. Like I said, it was two tables, a telephone and a closet, basically. Uh, that's where the radios were also. So uh, they changed drastically after that. No, I would have to say there was no real plans about them unexpectedly. Uh, of course, they had backup radio systems, but uh, they were not in a position to be used. Uh, they were a little bit construction things for about six months, and they depended on they depended on the brand new system coming up, and it was going to work automatically. And we found out that that didn't happen. So it took them about six hours to get radio crews in there to actually repair the backup system to get it up and running. Okay, no, that's good. Uh, I guess my uh, second question kind of stems off of that a little bit, Andrew. Uh, if you could just uh, maybe relay uh, uh, from uh, your perspective as a coordinator, uh, uh, how did the hands do uh, when they uh, when they when they looked to fill in during this uh, contingency situation, uh, uh, either positive or uh, negative? Uh, uh, is is great. In fact, I'd appreciate both if you have both. Uh, your personal assessment of the utility that they provided, uh, the functionality that they provided, and uh, just generally overall how they performed during the community. Go ahead. Well, fortunately enough, the radiation crew there had done this previous that about a month and a half, two months before that, had put together an emergency plan for if something like that happened. And uh, they kind of caught us by surprise because it was a, a uh, plan and a book that we were putting together with each meeting each month. So we had about 180 racist members for the county. The county was probably about the size, about, uh, oh God, one, one quarter of the size of Maricopa. It was a smaller county. There's 88 counties in Michigan, so you can compare that to Arizona to Michigan and see how much smaller the counties were. But uh, the, the, the hams themselves, even the ones that didn't go to the class, really pulled through. They had the equipment. Uh, we put an all-call out on the air and sent out pager calls. Uh, we told them exactly what equipment they're going to need. Bring, bring handhelds, bring mobiles with cigarette lighter plugs, at least a five-foot cable. But we needed uh, five-eighths whip mag mounts. Yeah, they needed to show up with that type of equipment. Stuff was not a problem, just bringing equipment. 
because that's the person who will orient you, introduce you, and such. It, it, it wastes a whole lot less time and allows amateur radio to be uh, uh, less of a burden on the uh, disaster management. Find the ham who's already there. They already have contacts. They can introduce, brief you on the notes and such before they leave and you should not be. That could be more ZK Okay, that's a great point, Mike, uh, one that I hadn't really thought about, but uh, uh, I think that we're going to come back and revisit this in just a second here uh, in follow-up questions, but uh, a lot of times when you get to a point uh, during a disaster, the supervisor or the coordinator, whoever's running that particular station or location, uh, is probably going to find themselves fairly busy, uh, they're fairly task-saturated, uh, there's a lot going on, and the more you can do to minimize the amount of time that they require to get you up to speed and, and working the operation, uh, the better off it's going to be. Uh, they are, their time is a precious resource, and you know, checking in with a ham that you're relieving and, and having all the dirty work done there uh, so that uh, it's seamless uh, from the coordinator's standpoint is uh, a great point. Uh, anyone else with uh, actual or uh, simulated experience uh, during a disaster drill uh, that's reported to a location, uh, tell us a little bit about who you reported to and uh, what their role in the, uh, in the whole operation was. Please call now. Okay, Kelly, go ahead. I worked several drills. Uh, I think the latest was uh, I think a health department uh, vaccination drill and uh, reported to the county health department. And that was, uh, I knew ahead of time that I was supposed to report to the remember what their name was, but they were the first in charge uh, of the drill, uh, and I got there about 45 minutes early because I knew I needed to bring equipment and set up an antenna at the location and so on and so forth. Um, I had to actually, it's actually the second time I'd done that, and I remember I had to actually try and relocate myself because they had me stuck in an office back out of the way, that to me twice. The agreement we had was the next time that I would actually be at the table with them because I rarely knew what was going on and when they would ask me something it would be hard to coordinate because they didn't know where it was where I hadn't heard what they were doing and I hadn't been able to report to them any, anything I'd heard so but uh, yeah I reported to the person in charge and I had again their name ahead of time so I knew just where to go and what to talk to Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's probably what I would uh, consider the fairly typical situation in a disaster situation like that is there's been uh, some sort of official, uh, you know, whether they're a governmental official or a Red Cross official or something like that that's assigned to a specific uh, supervisory role. Uh, and I think most uh, the way that most uh, disaster relief operations are set up these days uh, is generally most distribution points or stations, you know, whatever the facility is, has some sort of supervisor like that. All right, uh, any other uh, inputs on this? Uh, if you have uh, actual or simulated experience of important disasters, uh, who did you check in with uh, when you got to your station uh, to support that as an amateur radio operator? Uh, call Net Control, this is KE7 KUS.
I had a little bit of experience when I was uh, doing the NDMS drill a couple of years ago. And uh, I discovered, when I, I went to the information desk at the hospital and discovered that they had no idea what was going on. They didn't know that there was a, well, they knew there was a drill going on, but they didn't know that people were going to be showing up at the door asking for people. Uh, it ended up being uh, a person in the emergency room that I had to get in contact with. But uh, the name that I had was a person who was in charge of two hospitals. So we had to figure out, uh, next Troll and I, who the appropriate person at that hospital was because uh, the person who was supposed to be the name was uh, at the other hospital. So it was a little bit of a, a challenge to figure out who the right person was. Luckily, I was there early enough that I could set up and, and get on there uh, within time for the drills to start. But uh, at a hospital, at least, uh, in a drill, the people there, and I, I expect probably even during a real-life emergency, wouldn't necessarily know where to send you. So the emergency room in this case was uh, where I went. KF7. Oh, that's great, Andrew. Now you bring up the, uh, the other end of the uh, spectrum, I think, from uh, the previous example, which is uh, an example where uh, uh, not only are you there to facilitate uh, uh, radio communications, but uh, you're taking on a larger role uh, as, a, as a radio operator of facilitating communications in general. Uh, and I want to come back and uh, talk about that a little bit more here in a minute. But uh, just the idea that as an amateur radio operator, it's not just about uh, pushing buttons on the radio, uh, but you're actually building and forming communication nets where information can flow. And a lot of times it's more than just turning the radio on. Many times you have to help identify who needs the information, what information they need, uh, and you have to do all of this before you can even sit down at the radio and start performing that function. So uh, that's, that's an excellent example of something like that, where, where sometimes you show up on scene and most people, uh, you'll find people that are in supervisory roles that don't really even know that they need you because they may not even be aware of what's going on. So uh, that's a great example. All right, uh, one last call. Uh, anybody with experience uh, reporting uh, support of a real or a simulated emergency? Uh, who did you report to? Uh, please call that control now. I think I heard LQK. Uh, go ahead. I reported to the amateur radio operator that I was helping. Um, now, my the, the um, emergency I helped with was the um, earthquake of 1991 San Francisco earthquake, and that was before all the HIPAA stuff. Um, but I, I actually reported directly to the amateur radio operator that I was assisting. And Dennis had uh, reported to um, a shelter, and I don't know who he actually reported to, N7LQK. Okay, thanks for that, Donna. Dennis, uh, sorry, uh, Drew, go ahead. Fortunately, out here in Maricopa County, we have an excellent system where here's something that's going on. Stay home, tune in, and find out what's going on. Unfortunately, uh, you know, 17 years ago, we didn't have that luxury that hadn't been set up yet. So we had people who were showing up all over the place, 
and had great difficulty in trying to get them uh, to you know, settle down, just wait to hear called, and so forth. But when it comes to going to the scene of something and, uh, or a command center and trying to find out who's boss, um, sometimes they're so overwhelmed they don't even know what's going on or who's in charge or who to point you to. Um, they're at a quandary themselves, especially that disaster that I was in with the uh, lighting and strikes of the dispatchers. We actually took it upon ourselves to make suggestions to them to what to do. And I tell you what, they had open arms when we told them, have, have all your police cars in the south end of the uh, Sheriff's Patrol, south end of the county, you know, below 12 Mile Road or whatever. Meet here, we'll have hands there, we'll start putting in vehicles. We actually had to tell them what to do, uh, because all they had was car-to-car communications, and no, none of the dispatchers could talk to them on their car-to-car. So we had to take like a, a step forward and uh, not tell them what to do, but offer them this is the plan we have. And uh, we had no idea who to talk to when we went to the uh, sheriff's uh, central office where their dispatch was at. Had no idea who to ask for. This was at a time long before 9/11. None of this stuff was in place. And uh, just by asking questions and telling them who we were. We're with the Racy's crews for the county, we supply communications, da, 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 da. The word finally got to somebody. They come running out and physically grabbed us and come with us. So don't always plan on, uh, do not always plan on knowing who you're going to meet. Sometimes they don't even know who to send you to. That means 7 a.m. you
Actually, your attitude going into it is is a big factor. You show up with a attitude of uh, I'm here to save you and I'm the hero, and they don't know what's going on. Both sides are going to be sorely disappointed. I try and go into the attitude of I'm here to do what you need me to do. Uh, if you don't know what you need me to do, well, you know, find something. I'll do whatever. Uh, here's what I normally do, but. You know what? If you need me to run coffee at this point, I'll run coffee. AC seventy W. WB four is ZKA. Okay, thanks for that, Kelly. Uh, you did a couple of points that uh, I want to flesh out here just a little bit. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, Kelly, dead on right. Um, well, I have found experience that it also makes a lot of difference, and not only to know who I'm supposed to uh, report to, given the, given the circumstance, uh, but also who sent me, so that if I say uh, Bill Smith at uh, Red Cross sent me to uh, help with your communication, that's an instant introduction as opposed to I'm here, I may have just shown up voluntarily, uh, I may have self-deployed. When, when, you, when you say who sent, then that gives you instant credibility. And uh, Kelly's approach of I'm here to have, happy to do whatever needs to be done and then offer, offer what you normally do so he doesn't have to start with a blank sheet of paper. WB4 is ZKA.
uh, that may arise uh, when people go, ah, these volunteers, you know, they, they, they just don't get it. They don't understand, uh, and it creates a little bit of division. Uh, one of the things that I always appreciate uh, whenever I get a volunteer, uh, when I'm uh, doing anything like this, uh, coordinating or organizing an event like this, uh, it's always appreciated if a volunteer walks up to me and just asks when I have a spare minute, if they can have a minute or two of my time. Uh, and just by simply asking, instead of waltzing in and uh, presuming uh, that, uh, you know, I can drop whatever I'm doing right now to talk to you, uh, it actually goes a long way. Uh, it goes a long way to smoothing things and allows me to then schedule that person uh, into uh, all the other things that I'm going on, and uh, then I can get to them when it's conducive for both of us. I have time to talk to them, uh, and then I can uh, let them talk to me uh, and tell me uh, how, what they're here for, how they can help me. Uh, so that's that. Uh, I'll break here just a second. The uh, second thing I want to talk about, there mentioned this a little bit, and Kelly already mentioned it a little bit, but uh, when you show up on the scene, a lot of times, and, and it's been mentioned in realistic examples, uh, a lot of uh, coordinators may not necessarily know that they need you. Uh, and I think one of the reasons for that is they may not necessarily know what you can do for them. Uh, they may not know how you can help. Uh, and I think, again, this is a discussion that's great to have, but keep in mind when you're discussing with a, with a manager or a coordinator or anything like that, they care about your capabilities. They don't necessarily care about your gadgets. So if you show them your fancy HD with all of its buttons and lights, uh, they may not necessarily care about that. Uh, what they care about is what that HD can bring to the fight, how it can help them, uh, what it can do for them. So uh, helping, uh, maybe even pre-formulating before you walk in and get started, uh, just a brief uh, summary of your uh, uh, your capabilities, what you can do, uh, how you can help, uh, whether you just jot it out on a note card. And uh, I always appreciate that when I'm coordinating something like this. Somebody gives me something tangible that I can hang on to. But jot these things down so that if I need to, I go, oh, yeah, that guy with the radio, what can you do again? And now I pick up uh, the card, and I've got a reference there and do that. Uh, in parallel with that, in conjunction with that, uh, one of the things you need to do is just be honest about your limitations. Uh, break here just a second. I think a lot of times as a coordinator or a manager, one of the things that's important to me is not necessarily uh, only what you can do for me, but what what is it that you don't do? And that way I don't waste your time and my time asking you to do something that you're not capable of. And so I think having uh, both sides of the coin uh, set up and established uh, when you uh, introduce yourself or when you uh, show up on the scene uh, at a center that needs uh, amateur radio support uh, is, is very helpful uh, in that respect. Uh, so we've talked about it a little bit, uh, uh, about how amateur radio operators are perceived by emergency managers or other NGOs. Um, is there anybody that can relate to the practical experience they've had uh, with maybe a not-so-welcoming reception uh, when they showed up on scene uh, to provide amateur radio support? Uh, it's no call now. Uh, this is KT7 KUS Net Control for the Arizona Emergency Net Maricopa. Thank <laughs> you. 
never showed up all of a sudden and don't know who they are, and uh, they're there to help. And then they go to introduce themselves to other people that I'm a ham radio operator and so forth. So really to push that idea that they need to stay home, listen to the radio, and go on. Uh, I had an incident where um, I did a uh, water station with the support Red Cross, and when we pulled up, the police officer that was at the door to the gymnasium uh, stopped us and asked, what are you doing here? And explained to him that I was uh, the county, county EOC has dispatched us here to help provide any help that you need and communications. We have direct communications with the county for any assistance that may be needed here for backup communications. He goes, I don't care who you are. You're not coming in this door. His experience with the hams that showed up before him set the tone for how he felt about us showing up. So it's, uh, we really need to uh, push that idea that if you weren't dispatched there or asked to go there, uh, it's best to stay away until you're asked for W7EMU. Okay, no, great point, Drew. That's, uh, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, a lot of times uh, injecting yourself uh, in a scenario like that, uh, even though you, you go, I can help, uh, is actually creating more of a workload for uh, people working at uh, that shelter or that center or whatever's going on. So uh, understanding that and then uh, uh, either figuring out how to uh, stay away until tasked or called or if they are calling for volunteers, then how to fit yourself into the time frame there so that uh, you're not saturating or you're not overloading uh, managers with uh, information. Uh, that's a great example. Uh, the last question I want to ask tonight uh, before we wrap up is uh, a lot of times uh, we talk a little bit about how we handle ignorance. Um, how, do, how, how, do we, how do we be good ambassadors for amateur radio uh, during disaster things like this when we're met with something less than fun? What are some ways that we can, uh, what are some ways that we can maybe erase uh, a previously established uh, harmful perception? Or if there is no perception, how can we uh, that leave a good perception of amateur radio when it comes to reporting emergency operations. Okay, I'll jump in again. All right, go ahead. One of the things that I usually do is after the event is over or the um, whatever situation we're involved in, whatever it is, a natural disaster or just a drill, I've always gone back to the lead person that I was first introduced to or first to talk to, and I thank them for allowing us to be there. And re at that point, things slowed down, reminded them what we are capable of and some of the other services we provide. And usually at that point, they're so thankful because you build them out of several jams. Uh, the incident I just told you where the other ham showed up and the police officer wouldn't let us in at all. He wanted nothing to do with us. Uh, it took almost 40 minutes for the the, um, the organizer of that particular establishment that oversaw everything was looking and looking and looking for us. And finally it got to somebody. Well, they're out in the parking lot. They won't let them in. And um, we explained what had happened and everything. 
they said they would make every effort to make sure that something like that didn't happen again. When you come in and identify yourself like that, at least somebody should be told that you're there and the word passed on. So I think that going back after the incident and uh, thanking them for let, letting them, uh, they, letting you participate in it goes a long, long ways. And I've run into several people over the years. Uh, I ran into in the grocery store one day the uh, the gal with the, the Red Cross, and she remembered who I was. Uh, so I think that's what goes a long ways, is going back and thanking them for letting us serve them and giving them an idea of what else to do. Uh, so the next disaster they have, they have something to go by. They see you, oh, I know that guy, and that's what he did for me last time. 7 a.m.
maybe we don't necessarily only have the luxury of that. Maybe uh, we're tasked with, uh, with a high workload operating for radio, but when you can, uh, making that extra effort uh, to serve, uh, however, it is, uh, it is always something that I think leaves a positive impression uh, and comes back around to many times. All right. Well, it's uh, just after 10 o'clock. I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, so let me uh, close with this. I think tonight you've seen a different side of MCON uh, than one that we normally talk about. Uh, it's the side where maybe there are problems or perception problems uh, in the very least, uh, which sometimes uh, accompany a disaster communication. Uh, folks at the local soup kitchen uh, may have been there cooking long before you showed up to save the day. Uh, emergency managers know the importance of communication. Uh, they spend billions to improve the reliability of their systems, and many times amateur radio may not necessarily, uh, they may not perceive uh, how amateur radio fits in, or even if it does fit in, uh, to serve as a tool in their toolbox. Uh, this is KE7KUS Net Control. KF7UBT. KF7UBT, go ahead. As a newbie, I have two questions. Number one, how does one become involved in some of these drills and or uh, exercises and or emergency? KF7UBT. W7EMU. Drew, go ahead, please, sir. Uh, I think one of the best ways myself is to invite them to the Saturday night dinners that are held all over the East and West Valley, Central Valley. Um, try to hook them up with those, like on a Saturday afternoon, have them get on the air, find out where a dinner is. They can sit down with hams that have been doing this for years and years and years. Uh, it's easy to give them uh, an internet address. They go to it, fill out the form, and we'll contact you. But uh, a lot of the uh, KF7 calls, especially, that have showed up at some of the dinners, and they've been able to talk hand in hand with a ham and to Elmer them into what public service is all about. But I'll let you give them the email addresses also. Yahoo group that uh, they can sign up to get the, uh, the dinners at. But I always like the uh, one-on-one approach. I think it's a lot more personal, and uh, they can ask questions as they go along. It'll be 7 a.m. Yeah.
if that's not it, uh, I think his Google search will probably yield within the first couple of hits, uh, will yield uh, his actual website, uh, David Morrow, and uh, I think you'll be able to find it naturally. Uh, Drew mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, if you're on Yahoo, uh, there's the Yahoo group, DC Hamster. Uh, if you go search for that, uh, it's got regularly published information uh, that pertains to uh, this net and uh, Maricopa County Emergency Services. Uh, you'll get uh, you get announcements about things like the ham season, uh, which happens Saturday night. That's what Drew was talking about, where you can sit down uh, with some of the experienced uh, MCOM uh, operators here in the Valley uh, and get some one-on-one mentoring. So uh, uh, those are probably a couple of good resources. Uh, at the end of the, as I close the net here, I'll list the websites uh, uh, for this net and for the MCCC, the Maricopa County Emergency Communications Group. Uh, so get your pencil and a paper handy, and I'll pass that info along in a little bit, and uh, that may get you pointed in the right direction as well. All right. Uh, well, I guess before I move on, were there any other questions uh, that you have? You said you had two. Did I cover both of them? Uh, no, you didn't, but I won't ask the second one. Uh, could you repeat that, Yahoo, please, and then I'll uh, listen in at the tail end and for the other information you might have. AF7UBT. Sure, okay, uh, and if that doesn't do it, uh, you can catch me uh, one-on-one after the net, and I'll be happy to uh, point you in the right direction. Uh, but, uh, the Yahoo group is BC Alpha Zulu Camp Serve, uh, and if you go search for that, uh, it'll take you to the group uh, where all the announcements, uh, they show up uh, regularly in your email. Uh, you can subscribe to them, and uh, that'll get you a plug in. Dennis, go ahead, sir, please. Good evening. 
We are on the break of the beginning of the 2012-2013 public service season. Um, there's about, um, I don't know, I should have counted about 15 or 18 events that are from the uh, skilled public service person to the brand new ham who wants to get out and learn about it. This is where you go and learn how to do it, not just talk about it. We're there to support the new ham. Don't be afraid to sign up. Uh, we are more than happy to mentor you through the events. So, if you uh, want to uh, sign up for the events, grab a pencil and paper, and at the end of the net, there will be an announcement of the website. And if you uh, are experienced at it, now's the time to do it. Get signed up before everything's full, for the at least until uh, December. AE70, Jeff. All right, great. Thanks for that, Dennis. And yeah, I'll, I'll pass on the uh, website uh, where you can sign up for that in just a little bit here. So for Lanier and any of the other uh, hams that are wondering, uh, grab a pencil and paper, and I'll pass the info here in just a minute. Are there any other announcements for the net? If so, call now with your call sign.
you can sign up on the website there. There's a list of all the events, uh, the dates uh, that take place. Uh, you can do sign-ups there. Uh, all the information you need for public service support in Maricopa County, you'll find at mccg.net. While you're there, you can also click on the AZ Hamster button on the front page, and that will sign you up for the AZ Hamster email group to receive bulletins and notices about this event and other public service topics. Uh, so for Lanier and anyone else that was uh, interested, you can go to Yahoo and search for AZ Hamster or go to the MCECG website uh, and click on the AZ Hamster button there, and that will sign you up uh, for the AZ Hamster mailing list. I'd like to thank all stations for participating this evening. All stations are now free to stand down and secure. Thanks again to the great guys at the Arizona Repeater Association for letting us use these repeaters. Thanks to the general amateur radio community for cooperating with the net. Uh, this is Net Control, KE7KUF, closing the Arizona Emergency Net Maricopa at 10.14 p.m. and returning these frequencies and the auto patch to general amateur use. Uh, 73s and good night to all stations. Uh, this is KE7KUF.